technology-wise, we are, of course, prepared to go international. From having configurable time zone to configurable currency, we have built our modules in a way that we can easily use them in other countries. So right now, we are looking for distribution partners abroad. Welcome to MGA Founders Podcast with Socotra CEO, Dan Woods. Tune in each episode to hear Dan chat with innovative MGA founders to learn their stories, their challenges, and their visions. And now our host, Dan Woods. Today, I'm joined by Tony Digital. They're a very exciting insurance as a service provider out of Zurich. And we have with us Chairman Philippe Regazzoni and CTO Alex Sanders. So welcome, Alex and Philippe. First off, for anyone who might not be familiar, especially many of our listeners here in the United States, could you provide a quick background of what Tony Digital is about? Sure. So as you already mentioned, uh, Tony Digital is an insurance as a service provider, and we are actually covering the entire uh, insurance value chain. So what we mean by insurance as a service is that we enable large corporations with an existing client base to enter the insurance market within a very short time frame. And that means they provide us their design, their logo, et cetera, um, and we take care of the rest. So that means we configure the insurance product, we take care of the uh, risk carrier, everything, and they can just sit back and start selling the insurance product to their client base. When did you start? We started the company end of 2017. We started the company when we had the first client, which wanted to sell insurance policies, which is the biggest Swiss retail bank, PostFinance. And once they decided they want to enter insurance with a mobility motor product, uh, we decided that we're going to launch the company and set it up. And what did the value proposition look like for them originally? What were we going to provide for them? For our partner, we provide the entire insurance value chain. So we started with them to define the products which fit with their brand and their value proposition. We did find the appropriate risk carrier, the insurance partner for it. We did, together with the risk carrier, put the pricing together. We did put all necessary operations, claims, policy administration, cash management. Most importantly, this is all brought together with a very powerful IT system, you know, which uh, is at the core that we can deliver a distributed value chain in a very efficient time frame. And then how do they do distribution to their customers? So there are different ways they do that. And uh, of course, our offering uh, allows all of that, right? So we can provide them the APIs. They can integrate that, let's say, for example, into their online banking portal. At the same time, there's also a public-facing, just normal front-end that they can lead clients onto. They reach out to their clients um, via via email, highlight to them this insurance offering. Uh, They do cross-selling. So there are all sorts of different ways how they can sell the insurance in their existing ecosystem. We also provide our distribution partners the so-called broker platform, so they can do even offline sales. So it really depends on the distribution partner how he wants to sell. Now with post-finance, the big emphasis is clearly on the digital sales channel. So a lot of online marketing 
and uh, directly uh, embedding that in the online banking platform. Let's take a step back to the beginning when you got started, although you said that is an initial customer there. Where did the idea come from? What were you doing previously? Actually, Philippe, I'll ask you first. Um, what were you doing before this, and where did the idea come from? Uh, I've been most, if not all, my career in reinsurance in various markets. So it's a worldwide business reinsurance, also with larger reinsurance companies. And I was always intrigued by the Swiss insurance market because it's a, a relatively stable market with uh, very high entry barriers and very little dynamic in the market. So we figure out that the team, we started up the company, how we can enter the Swiss insurance market with relatively low entry barriers, means low and small asset base, means no own uh, risk carrier as an MGA, and with uh, little customer acquisition costs using already existing distribution facilities and brands to leverage them with our insurance proposition. And bringing that together, you know, made us define how the business model looked like. And we looked at the product, which has the highest margins and the highest volume within that space. And that's motor insurance to start with. We expanded that now with legal, travel, household, private liability. We're going to start to sell soon also live PPI, which is a disability health and accident type of product. So we grow from there, but starting from the probably from a logic point of view, most complex and from a margin point of view, richest business line, which is Motor. Okay. Then your reinsurance background, I'm guessing that made it relatively easy to get capacity or hopefully so. It is never easy to get capacity, if, particularly in a market like Switzerland, which doesn't have MGA tradition. So we operate the motor product on a partnership with Great Lakes, which is the risk carrier of Munich Re Group, which is their only MGA arrangements they have in Switzerland currently. And the second biggest product we have out there the Migro, that's the biggest Swiss retailer for which we, we manufacture a household liability product, the, the typical family insurance you take out, is on a Swiss mutual for whom it was the first MGA agreement they ever signed. So it helps to have good relationship in all businesses, I guess, but it's never easy to get good capacity. We'll come back to Migro because that's actually, that's very exciting to me. But first, I'm curious. So um, looping in Alex, how did you meet Alex? How did he get involved? So I'm not from insurance. I have a technology background. And uh, actually, uh, we met via the advisor of my, my old startup. My old startup was in computer vision for property space. We also did uh, wide label distribution. And uh, through the old advisor, he said, he pointed out to me that there's an exciting startup that is currently being founded and that they are looking for a tech guy. And that's how I met Philippe. We met and I was very excited by, I mean, me as an engineer, I always found insurance boring. And to be honest, to some extent it is, 
But what is really interesting is that now there's a big change happening being driven by technology. And that's what really excited me. And uh, when Philip told me the idea and the story behind that, I was immediately convinced of the potential. And I really wanted to be a part of that story. So then you had to get started. There's so many things you need to do to get going. What were the biggest initial challenges? You, you mentioned capacity and technology. You know, obviously, you need funding and building a team. Like, How did you even attack this problem early on? I think there are two big challenges we faced at the beginning. And the first challenge is a bit the chicken and egg problem you have as an MGA. So you have this business proposition who says, okay, I'm fine to launch that. You know, if you find a good risk carrier, you need the financing, which is happy to launch if you have a good business proposition. And you have the risk carrier, which is happy to launch if you have a good financing behind and the system which works. And you need to set that entirely up so that it ties together. You need to have enough resources to be able to deal with that and get started. And once it's started, it's a bit self-fulfilling because you broke your chicken and egg problem. The second big challenge is, of course, technology. It was a big challenge uh, because actually we are already in the cooperation with uh, Socotra in our second generation of system environment. The first one was a challenge. It was not flexible enough. Um, we did have challenges to make the necessary development in it. It was close to impossible to do any kind of new product development. Changes to the pricing, to the reporting capabilities were all relatively difficult to implement. And therefore, we decided in our short living period to totally restart the entire IT and the cooperation with Socotra and restart from scratch. So this has been the biggest challenges. It's luckily now resolved, or almost, no, Alex? It is resolved. I think now we do have a really strong platform that enables us to scale. And so the technology problem is solved. And I mean, of course, we continue to, to improve our platform, add on new features, bring more and more value to our B2B partners and to the end customer, continuously improve the, the customer experience. But it's certainly not the, the biggest challenge any longer, I think, of our company. I think now it's really about pushing our distribution partners to increase their marketing. It's about onboarding new distribution partners. And when actually these days, when it comes to onboarding a new, new distribution partner, most of the time, it's the legal that takes most of the time. It's, it's no longer technology, right? On a technology perspective, we are able to launch a product within a few weeks. And then, but it normally takes the lawyers quite a bit longer until they have their contract signed. That's something I definitely hear a lot of. Speaking of the present then, I was very excited to read about the Migro deal that you have. First off, for those who are outside of Switzerland, what is Migro and what have you done there from a consumer's perspective? What are they able to get? Migro is, and if, if you've been any close to Switzerland, you know Migro. It's the, by large, biggest retailer in Switzerland. It's a cooperative and uh, it has about 40 to 45% market share in the retail, which includes not just uh, food and beverage, includes also travel. They are quite strong in health and fitness. They have a series of uh, probably the largest fitness studio chain in Switzerland. 
They are quite strong in travel as well. It's a multi-product retailer to the Swiss public, uh, organized as a corporation. The product we provide to them is the first core product, which is household liability. That's the typical family insurance families would take out because it's also a very strong family brand, Migro. Of course, the intention is to continue to develop after that initial phase into products which go with other Migro products, including we're going to talk about, you know, any electronic goods, sporting equipment. They have a very large retail store for sporting equipment, so develop from there. But we started with the core family insurance product, which is household liability. So working with Migro, which is very exciting, how did that process go? Like, how did you meet them and how long did it go from concept to live? And what can you say about how you got all that done? It's very impressive. It took us, I think, from the first contact, Alex, you correct me, first contact to having actually a project contract signed took us about six months. So yes, please do the insurance for us. And from that to having the first product sold, it took another six months. I think Alex and the IT team needed about six weeks to do the IT. The most challenging was to go through the legal and compliance departments of the client and the risk carrier and get that harmonized. So, so I think as Philip pointed out, there are always multiple stages. The contact, they approached us. They wanted to do insurance. They saw what we provide, namely this, uh, really this platform end-to-end where we do everything for them and they don't have to worry about insurance, don't have to worry about insurance license and don't have to worry about IT or technology. And I think, I mean, as Philip mentioned, there are, depending on the customer and, and the needs, it can take quite some time until they have defined what product they want. And then normally me and my team, we come in when they have finalized the things, when they have, let's say, the product specification ready. And that's the point in time when we start to configure the product, where we sort of configure our no-code pricing engine solution. We have those auto-generated API endpoints. Depending on the partner, we also do deliver a front-end solution. It really depends on the partner whether they need us to do that or not. And this process normally takes six to eight weeks, depending on the complexity of the product. And then with Miko, we also did together with another partner of ours, uh, the front-end solution. And then we uh, basically put it live and there it was. And then Miko started to link it into their ecosystem to send emails uh, to the customers to publish that in their magazines they send out to the customers, etc. So for anyone listening who's curious, maybe visiting Zurich or in Zurich already, first off, I can confirm I was there just last week and I saw several Migro just around town. Where would someone see the product if they, as they enter Migro? Where would they encounter this product? And is there any way they can tell that Tony is involved by looking at it? Or is that only to be found if they read the press releases? The product itself, the customers find online. So they might see some advertisement poster in the, in the store itself, but otherwise it's, it's really a digital product that the customer buys online. We do have a strong integration with their Migro login account. So all their existing close customers that already have an online account with Migro, 
they can basically buy the insurance directly from within that ecosystem. And the Tony name, uh, the customer normally does not see. So I think that's very important to us that we really provide this white label experience to our B2B customers. If the customer looks somewhere down in the uh, general terms and conditions, he will find our name. But otherwise, it's really end-to-end white labeled. So that means from the website, from the URL, from the policy documents, to the invoice design, end-to-end, even if they call the call center, uh, someone will pick up and introduce themselves with Migro Insurance. What is also worth mentioning is that for Migro, it was important that the name of the insurance company appears in the onboarding, which it does. It doesn't have to. With the Ostrinos insurances, it does less. That's always as the client wants to define it within the boundaries of what you have to put up uh, within the insurance law. But other than that, the client can decide how we want to integrate also the insurance brand and the insurance part. And I think also worth mentioning with Migro that it is somewhat integrated with their loyalty program. So you buy insurance, you get some loyalty points in the retail loyalty program. Did you have to integrate that with your system or is that able to be kept entirely on their side? There is a modular separation, but there is some integration that is, that is done. But let's say it's not inside our core system. So what is very important to us, of course, and, and, and me as a CTO, is that we have a, a super scalable platform. So that means inside our platform, we, we do have modules from a product configuration. We do have a, our own proprietary no-code pricing engine, which is really essential because we have this huge matrix of distribution partners and products. Right, And if we have one car insurance for Migo, one for Post Finance, these are completely separate products. Right, So that's super important. We have generic scalable document handling. Sounds uh, hilarious, but it's uh, quite an issue if you don't have a good solution for that in place because every single customer, they want to have their logo, etc. And in insurance, you do have a lot of documents. We do have all of the, the, the box reporting. So those are really generic modules that we have in place. And then when it comes to, let's say, integration with the loyalty program, then that is some uh, software outside of our core system. I'm very impressed by the progress. I remember my first visit to you was in 2019. And what was fantastic about it is it's my first time meeting you. And you actually demoed our software to us with, of course, mostly things that you had done, you were demoing. And you'd taken it and figured it out on your own. Obviously, there's documentation online and so forth. but you'd done quite a bit entirely on your own, which is uh, quite impressive and, and certainly the kind of people we love to work with. Then fast forward not too far in the future, and here we are with the Migros deal. What do you think might be next, as far as you can say? Good question, because uh, if you look where we are today, we've got the biggest Swiss retailer as a client, uh, which has planned to develop because they have an enormous client base and data about the client which they can develop insurance into. We've got also the largest Swiss retail bank for which we do have our big margin insurance program and also their potential to develop into a real big strong bank assurance proposition for which we have already 
expect that. So a very long-term plan. And when we're talking here about plan in the next three to five years, what we want to do, we're currently developing and finalizing a mortgage-related product. It's going to be buildings, PPI, and other insurances with the mortgage. We already have some bank clients around that. So if you look at Switzerland, it's a small country. We have already a relatively strong penetration. And I think to some extent, the fantasy of what we can do in Switzerland is soon going to be expired. There's just so much that there is possible in small and boring Switzerland. And therefore, a key challenge we'll have is how we can scale and replicate our model into other markets because we go from a population of potentially around 8 million customers. If you go into EU, you, you multiply that by 50. So you, you're in a totally different space. So the next big step will be to prove that we're able to do what we do also in a non-Swiss market. Technology-wise, we are, of course, prepared to go international. From having configurable time zone to configurable currency, we have built our modules in a way that we can easily use them in other countries. So right now, we are looking for distribution partners abroad, similar to, to the ones we have in, in Switzerland, with whom we can continue our uh, success story. So if there is someone listening to this podcast that is interested to bring live white label insurance in a short time frame and you don't want to worry about your IT or the risk carrier, then Tony Digital is here for you. All of that in a Swiss quality. And you've definitely demonstrated you can do it. What makes for an optimal distribution partner for you? What things are you looking for? What kind of organizations are these? We're looking, ideally, organizations which already have a large customer base, which have the customer base, which at least at one touch point have a, a digital touch point, so digital connection, which have some data about their customer base, which we can link and use to start to sell insurances. and. Ideally, a relatively strong brand, which can be transported into insurance. Can be anything in the space of products, so car manufacturers, you know, things like that. Can also be large, large banks or financial institutions. Can be retailers, you know, it's very broad. Wherever you think you can link products into the offering you have. Switching gears for a little bit. So when you're not doing Tony and insurance, where might I find you? What might I find you up to? I'm doing a lot of uh, sports. Uh, you might uh, see me running around Zurich, running around the lake, or on my racing or mountain bike. Hope not all the way around the lake on a run. That would be uh, quite impressive. Running, no. Cycling, yes. How far is it around, all the way around the lake? It's not too bad. I think it's, uh, it's 80 or 70 kilometers, so it's, uh, it's not too bad. I think it's 78, the small part of the lake. And if you do the long one, it's 120, because there are two parts of Lake Zurich. But it's relatively flat because it's around the lake. 
So you're two thirds of the way to a triathlon. Any aspirations? I have done a triathlon, a um, half Ironman a few years ago, but I decided afterwards that I will train, have to train a bit more before I do the next one to avoid the painful experience. Haven't been in the lake, but I'm guessing it's pretty cold. Haven't been uh, this year yet, so it's uh, I wait a bit, uh, a few more months uh, for that. Yeah. I think my place is where I found you two just last week next to the lake with a glass of Swiss wine and a Wiener schnitzel, um, I think worked quite nicely. The waitress took a little while getting the Wiener schnitzel out, which I did not complain about in the least. It's such a fantastic view and a great day. And of course, great to catch up with the two of you. Likewise, uh, happy to uh, welcome you anytime again in Zurich. Philippe, where might I find you when you're not thinking about insurance or is there never such a time? There's never such a time I don't think about insurance or reinsurance, but I might do other stuff with it. Now, I do also like to do all sorts of sports and nature, you know, hiking, biking, running. I play soccer, football as we call it here. And uh, yeah, I think uh, I also enjoy watching sometimes games. And uh, I like cooking and the appropriate nice glass of wine with it, of course. Indeed. Well, I definitely enjoy the wine. So cooking and football, you have to tell me what cuisine do you cook and uh, which football team do you support? So the cuisine I, I cook is, is relatively diverse. Most of the time, maybe Italian food or Italian-inspired food. Football club, I support. I mean, currently, the one I prefer to watch is where my daughter plays, which is uh, they're leading the Swiss Female League and the under-19s women of Switzerland. Very cool. And then uh, back to so back to business just a little bit. It's been quite a few, quite a time these last few years for you, and it's been exciting to watch it go. What is one thing that ended up being just harder than you expected, and what was one thing that was pleasantly not as bad as expected? Put that out there to either of you. The harder thing with starting up companies to put the right team together and to surround yourself with the right people, and particularly. If you encounter challenges, you know, to be able to deal appropriately with it. This can be frustrating, but if you don't deal with it, you know, probably you lose your survival capabilities. I can definitely relate to that. The easiest, the, the pieces which go easier relate that if you have the right team together, if everything fits, you know, if you have a good spirit and, you know, happy working together, you know. Things seem to go easier, even if they are relatively hard. Particularly if you can relate then after a certain time of the relationship capital you build up. So that is on the same page, you know, there's the positive and the negative, which can make things super hard and things extremely easy. It's good we're currently on a very easy path. So that's fine. So it sounds like two sides of the same coin then. The hardest thing is building the team and the surprising easy thing is how things get done once you have the right team. And I can relate to that entirely. That sounds exactly right. So Alex, focusing on tech a little bit because 
as you can imagine, that's my expertise. How did your platform come together? I know that you work quite a bit with our team. How do we get in touch with you? How is that taking you to where you are? And how is that helping you expand into multiple countries, currencies, time zones, and such? So I think back then, uh, we were at a point where, I mean, we were live, we have proven our business model, but we were aware that we needed to, let's say, relaunch our platform to really make it more scalable. And back then, what I did is uh, I, w- I was actually looking into other industries. I was looking uh, also a bit into, into banking, where you have uh, successful challenger banks like uh, N26 being built on, uh, on some external core banking system similar to, to Mambu. And now, of course, N26, I mean, they have a large development team, so they are definitely a tech company. But still, they said, okay, well, there's, someone has already built this part of the system that otherwise we would have to build. So let's use that uh, piece of software that someone has already built for us rather than to reinvent the wheel. That was sort of the initiator for me to look around. And uh, I actually found Socotra online. And I think what immediately surprised me was there's an online documentation. Hey, this is what you have. There are some API interfaces. And I think that set Socotra apart a lot from, from some other companies out there in the insurance technology space. So some other companies you buy their platform and you're locked. Any change you want, you have to pick up the phone, wait for them, do some specification. And that's not what we wanted. We wanted to have a central part of the platform we want to build ourselves, ourselves, especially the one around the customer experience. And um, we have had some great ideas how we can make the life easier for our B2B partners. And those modules we wanted to build ourselves. But then at the same time, we had Socotra that we could interface by API that have already built a central part of an insurance technology platform that we could interface to. And that really made our life easier and meant we could go live with our platform within a year rather than uh, two or three years. And the Socotra data model is really generic, uh, scales well, and, uh, and I mean, it's really well thought through. So that was a pleasure to use and it helps us uh, to this date. I'm really humbled by all that. It's been really exciting to watch you guys go and achieve everything you have. So a last question, is there anything you're looking for that our listeners could help provide? Anything you're looking to hire inside Switzerland, outside Switzerland, positions you're looking to fill or anything else? As mentioned earlier, I think right now we are particularly looking for new exciting distribution partners that are looking to go into the insurance space and are looking for the right technology provider and in in insurance as a service provider that really provides this entire, uh, entire value chain. We would also be looking, if uh, anyone listens to MGA, without technological capabilities, which potentially have an extremely good customer access and good product, but have some challenges, particularly also in the carrier management because of a non-focus on technology. So this is something we could consider to to help and to cooperate more in depth if there is interest. And this is also some of this discussion we have in other European markets, how we can continue to develop. Well, that's very interesting because you've done all the work to build this. And I'm talking to MGA founders all the time, uh, hence the, the podcast. We definitely have them listening. What makes, it sounds like what you're looking for is one that's heavier on product and distribution than on technology. Anything else that would 
really signal an MGE being a good candidate to partner with you and use your technology to accelerate their launch? I mean, maybe just to, to add on what uh, Philip said, uh, but, but add on uh, a bit more tech focus, right? So I think what we have built is really on top of Socotra, on top of the Socotra core, we have built sort of this productized MGA technology layer. So that means there are certain features that the customers are looking for, that the risk carrier is looking for, that today Socotra is not providing. And we have built those things in a modular manner on a super modern tech stack, microservice-based, uh, containerized. So I think that's what we provide to MGAs from no-code pricing engine solution to out-of-the-box reporting that pleases the most demanding risk carriers, including Munigree of this world. And I think regarding your question, what is the ideal MGA? I think varies, but certainly ones with the right access to the market. So we are definitely looking for, for MGAs that, that take it serious and that have uh, ambitious uh, growth plans. And what is the span of products you can support for them? So the beauty of our platform is anything, anything you can imagine. So based on the no-code product configurator, you can build any insurance product that you want. And uh, of course, for some products, we might need to find a risk carrier. But by now we have, I think by now we have six risk carriers connected to our platform. So it becomes with time easier and easier to onboard new ones because they say, oh, well, if you have Munigree, if you have Vodawas as, as risk carriers, well, if it works for them, it must work for us. Very cool. And then finally, how can people reach you if they want to chat about being an MGA partner, being a distributor, or visiting Zurich and finding great Wiener Schnitzel? <laughs> so contacting, uh, reach out to us on LinkedIn. Otherwise, go to our website, uh, tonydigital.com. There's a contact form, uh, and we're happy to, to reach, uh, reach back to you. Alex, Philippe, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Can't wait to visit you again. Thank you, Dan. Thanks so much for having us. We hope you enjoyed this episode of MGA Founders Podcast, brought to you by Socotra, the policy administration system modern enough to power today's most innovative insurtechs. Visit socotra.com forward slash MGA to see why more insurtechs trust Socotra than any other core platform. You'll find links to future episodes in today's show notes. Thank you for listening. And make sure to subscribe and help us out with the review.